Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove, joined by John Gibson. And we're bringing back our Let's Talk About series because, of course, the World Cup has interrupted Premier League football and I'm sure John is maybe just as angry as I am because Newcastle are on such a great run of form that they've had to stop playing football, John. Oh, awful. It's, this is literally the time we don't want it. I mean, clubs like Southampton and Wolves probably love it in Everton because they can regroup and try to lick wounds and get back on. It just spoils it for us. It's a great shame, but hey-ho, I'll stand it. But we do get a chance to reflect back on the season so Mm. far. And that's what this episode is called. Let's talk about the season so far. Because I think even the most optimistic Newcastle United fan could not have predicted how it's gone so far. Newcastle lying in third. A couple of points off second and just, what is it, seven off off top. Some might be dreaming of a Premier League title challenge. I'm not there just yet. But the top four seems a real possibility John, how would you sum up the season so far? I mean, it's literally been staggering um, because this time a year ago, we were 19th in the table. We'd just completed 11 matches at the beginning of a season without a win, which was a club record. And to transform from that to, to a team that's third top, who's only had one defeat all season, and that was in the 98th minute at, at Liverpool, a team that's won at Spurs, beaten Chelsea, drawn with Man City, drawn with Man United, have got the meanest defence in the Premier League, in the half, although Arsenal have conceded this, the, the same number of goals, they've done it from one less game, so Newcastle have a better average over the 14 games they've played. Um, and they've scored a pile of goals. It is quite staggering amazing and you've got to pinch yourself to realize that how good it is we knew the break was coming so it's no surprise you know Eddie mm. Howe said in his post-match game, uh, game after chair post-match interview after Chelsea it is what it is what would you have taken John at the start of the season if I'd said to you where would you like Newcastle at to this stage to be at this stage going uh, into the break I mean anything from seventh or eighth would have upwards but I would have been quite happy with seven or eight and said look that's progress let's push on and make it six or seven at the end of the season Um, and squeeze into Europe the minor European competitions from sixth place or something I would that would have absolutely thrilled me bearing in mind what happened last season and to demand or expect such a turnaround in such a short space of time is nothing more than staggering. And I, I can't believe that it hasn't staggered both the boardroom, the manager's office, and the dressing room because we have punched brilliantly above our weight. Well, that was going to be my next question. Your Castle United fans are, are very guilty of expecting the worst to come around the corner. They, you know, yeah, and, and you can't blame them. I mean, no. it's been such a good run. But I think, you know, a lot of fans are still maybe in that mindset of, well, it's going to have to end sometime. But are mm-hmm. we getting to the stage where you know we're past that, and this is just Newcastle United being brilliant, and, and every yes, week they win. I think we absolutely are. I mean, watching the side recently, I've got absolutely confidence going into each game, and it doesn't matter who the opposition is. Uh, I'm confident that we are capable of doing the correct job. I can't see Newcastle being derailed apart from one thing. Key injuries to key players would dis- would derail us without a shadow of doubt. Um, you know, um, Callum Wilson's the obvious one because he's the only genuine orthodox centre forward that plays the role in the proper way. Uh, other positions, left back, goalkeeper, could we? We wouldn't want Bruno out, etc., etc. Yes, the only thing I can see disrailing Newcastle would be horrendous luck on the injury front but 
we've got January to come to address that situation, and we've got Isaac to come at 60 million, virtually a new player, because he's only played three games, so he's like a new signing if he gets a run at the team. And in that sense, this break is, is probably a good thing for that. You you, you, you hope yeah. Newcastle will return Callum Wilson, Kieran Trippier and good spurts from the World Cup, but also, as you say there, Isaac hopefully back for, yeah, for those games. Yeah, you've December. got to take the positives out of the break, and Eddie Howe is a very much a positive type manager he's a very front foot manager and he'll do that the negatives are obvious if you're on a run like this you just want to keep going because you're on a roll in one game rolls into the next game rolls into the next game so this break is not good but if you want to be positive you can look at it that players like Maxi who's just about right Shelby who's just about right Isaac who's nowhere near yet but will be at the end of this break We'll have more time and bodies will be rested, you know, because I I, I watched Newcastle uh, against Chelsea last time out. In their pressing game is fantastic. The way they press right from the front, every player close down, close down, close down for an hour and a half. That takes some doing. I was talking to Chris Waddle about it, who was there for Five Live and no Chris from the old days at Newcastle. He says, Kippo... It's so wonderful to watch, but it's so tough to maintain because it takes so much out of you. So the resting of the body of key players like Joe Linton, like Almiron, like Bopman uh, will help, if you want to look on the positive side, for them to regroup, re-strengthen, have a, a little mini preseason, and go again. Mm-hmm. So it can help that because the game we play takes a lot out of players physically a lot of them are already enjoying a few days off a couple of them in Dubai I think Joe Lytton's over in, in Rome so a lot of them are making the, the, are making the most of having that time off you mentioned there the pressing game and, and how tough it is and on, on the body physically mentally I guess that just shows you how much these players are buying into what Eddie Howe's trying to oh, achieve without a shadow of doubt, because the the pressing game is all about everybody buying into it. You can't have your centre-forward press if your two wingers just stand like milk bottles because the press doesn't work. They've all got to go in harmony. They've all got to go together. And then it terrifies teams. It really does terrify teams. But you've all got to do it. If one does it, if one gets lazy and doesn't do it, you've got a problem. On your castle, the best pressing team in the Premier League? Currently, uh, currently, I, I think they are. I mean, we completely shook Man City, who are, regardless of the fact Arsenal are top, in depth with the squad, etc., etc. Man City are still the standout team, the standout squad that you've got to beat because they've got two first teams. And they were completely thrown by us. I mean... Kyle Walker, who's at the World Cup, who is one of the quickest fullbacks you'll ever see in your life, was terrified by some maximum. I've never seen Kyle Walker so flustered because somebody was on him the whole time, hounding him, and Newcastle are terrific at that at the moment. And, you know, I'm just thinking that this break for all but five of the squad the sixth guy at the World Cup is the the boy from Australia who's not part of us yet anyway. Um, the, the break for the rest of the boys will do them good for the style we play. You mentioned there Alan St Maxman. I was going to ask you about him later in the show, but as you've, you've mm. name-checked them, we'll get on to him now. The fact you you did reference the game that he, he put when the frighteners... He Man City. Yeah, he put the frighteners on Kyle Walker, didn't he? And oh. yet, and I know he's been injured, but he has been available for the last few games... He can't get in that side, and 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 deservedly so because the likes of Joe Linton, who's been out on 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 that wide, the likes of Almiron, they're playing oh, so well. Absolutely, I mean, when you think about it, we've gone into a break third top, and in the main, we've done it without Maxi, without Shelby, who hasn't had a league start this season, without Target, who we thought would be the regular left back, without Fraser, and without Isaac. They've that team has achieved third top with all those what we would consider big hitters not in the team so when we talk about January and the players they may sign to mm. push them or to maintain the level they're at 
Do you perhaps also look at the players who haven't been fully fit of late or match fit, the likes of Shelby, St. Maxim, Fraser, Isaac, and go, well, actually, you know, I'm going to bring out that new cliche, four new signings there. Yes, it is an awful cliche, isn't it? But I know exactly what you mean, um, and it's true. Um, it is true. Shelby for, hasn't started a, a league game at all this season. Uh, Maxi's been out for yonks out of the starting lineup in the main. Isaac isn't literally a new signing. Um, yes, but uh, I still think and hope that the board have been encouraged by our current position uh, in the table, third top, to go out in January and say, let's not wait till next summer. We can actually get Champions League football confirmed this season. To be truth, we're, we're looking for Champions League football to be confirmed next season for the season after. But they can do it now. And the only thing that can possibly stop that, apart from injuries across the board, is not having the centre forward. Mm. And we will get onto that, that, that striking dilemma because in the episode with Alan Stokes on Monday, we discussed uh, a striker and, and, and the reaction's been been quite something over on social media. So I'll get onto them later in the show. But you mentioned there aim for Champions League qualification next season for the season after. Were you, were you really? I mean, for me, that even that seems a little bit too quick. Yes, it, it, it was ambitious, but the board's ambitious, Newcastle are ambitious, and we are taking time to acclimatise to that. You see, the board haven't been hit on the head by failure in the past. They're new to this. Eddie Howe hasn't been hit on the head because it was a whole different ball game at Bournemouth. Keeping them up was terrific. I know he failed to do that in his last season there, but that was good. The players in the main, the, only the long-term players like Shelby and that know what it's like to be depressed at Newcastle United. Unfortunately, all us that are, have been part of this wonderful ride and horrible ride at times have experienced it and were a little bit more cautious. And it was, but... You know, if we had finished seventh or sixth, and by the way, we don't know where we're going to finish yet. It's not automatic that we're going to be in the top four at the end, come the end of the season. But if we finished seventh or sixth this year, we'd say that was terrific. Whether we would now or third, <laughs> but we would have done originally. And then if we went from seventh or sixth next season to aim for four, that makes sense. But to be aiming for four from a year ago when we were 19th is just unbelievable. It's remarkable, isn't it? But, but, miracles happen in football and I'll give you two words to prove it. Leicester City. They won the championship when, I'm not suggesting we are about to win the championship. I was glad you just clarified that. Yeah, yeah, I'm not at all, (laughs) but what I'm meaning is the impossible does happen Mm. And, and, and therefore we can be a Champions League side. There's an awful lot if if sides that are now choking on our exhaust fumes, they'll have to do that at the end of the season. We'll have to finish probably above Man United or or, or Liverpool in Chelsea. I mean, you know, that takes some doing just saying that, doesn't it? But mm. the mould's got to be broken and we are in with a chance of that. I've given you a list of shall we say accolades to go through just before I do that what do you think Eddie Howe is going to be doing over the next few weeks when the World Cup is on we know he's not going to be a pundit or anything no. he was asked whether he would enjoy the break I, again being interviewed after the Chelsea game he said he'd probably uh, enjoy a couple of days off but then but then get to work he said you know he said something along the lines of there's no time to rest when you're managing a club of this size He's a workaholic. I, th- I, I think the break will irritate him and, and will bomb. I mean, he will have a lovely little break with his family. He'll replenish himself a little bit. Then he'll be looking to go within about 10 days of the break starting and, and it will frustrate him that he can't. But he will work on it, on on what's to happen and have a rethink and, uh, and say, right, what do we do now and where are we now with this situation? It is the only way to be. When that foot comes off the accelerator, even for a moment, it's much more difficult to put it back on the accelerator. If you keep it on the accelerator, you're fine. But if you take your foot off and then you try to put it back on, that's more difficult. And I don't think he will go down that route. Because he's got the bottom line 
for Eddie's place in history, and everybody's always says, wherever I go, because I've been around for so long, where does Eddie Howe rate amongst Newcastle United managers? Well, to physically rate there, he's got to win something. Now, whether that... And, and not just qualify for the Champions League, because qualifying for the Champions League, Kevin Keegan did that, and Bobby Robson did that. But they didn't win anything. They didn't win the Champions League. They didn't win the league. Keegan almost did, second top. Um, and they didn't win one of the two domestic cups. So, But if Eddie wins something, and you've got to presume that would be one of the two domestic cups to start with, they're the ones that are available to him this season. If he wins something, immediately, as far as trophies are concerned, goes above Keegan and Robson in history. And he's the guy then challenging Joe Harvey for the best Newcastle manager there's ever been. What an incentive that is. Mm, that would be quite something, wouldn't it? Oh. I asked our listeners to send in some questions over social media or to our email address, which is the E-I-B-W podcast at reachplc.com. We always love to hear your feedback. And Liam has emailed in, John, to ask you whether you think if Newcastle do indeed finish outside the top four, and you've alluded to a little bit yeah. earlier, yep. would that be deemed a failure given where Newcastle United are now, or do we need to be a little bit more no, realistic? It ought not to be deemed a failure. That would be dreadful slur on Eddie Howe and the players. If we finish six, but that's the risk you run when you're three at the break. You finish six, everybody says, oh, what a disappointment. I thought we're going to be in the Champions League and what went wrong? And we'll have an inquest about what went wrong. Actually, nothing went wrong. We're 19th last season at this stage. I mean, the t regardless of what we do this season, the jump from last season is phenomenal. Um, and we must remember that when judging the situation. I mean, if we end up in the Europa League next season... Would we have taken that at the end of last season? Flipping right, we would. 100%. And the, the difficulty is you can almost be too successful for your own good. And, you know, going into a break, third top, in the uh, last 16 of the League Cup, in the FA Cup still to come, whew, you know, I mean, we've got Bournemouth at home to get in the last eight of the League Cup to win something. You've got the FA Cup still to come, and we're third in the league. Dear, 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 can it get any better? I mean, I didn't think it would get this good. You know, so we've got to keep some realism about the fact. And I would be very sad if Newcastle finished sixth and a lot of people, you'll always get some, but a lot of people were saying, oh, that's a disappointment. Mm -hmm. That would be a shame. That would be a shame. So as I said, I've given John a list of kind of accolades to go through the season so far. Before I do that, just a reminder to you guys to please like and subscribe to the podcast through whichever platform you're listening through. It's totally free to do. It just means with every new episode we upload, you will get a notification to say it's ready to listen or download. And if you can leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform, that would be much appreciated. That just helps us get the podcast out to a wider audience. Now, John, the first accolade that I asked you to come up with was the turning point of the season. Yeah. I said in brackets, I'm thinking a result here. So I'll throw out mine and let's see if we uh, agree. I've said Fulham. The Fulham game for me was the turning point, was the result there's, that there's, changed the course of the season. There's no question. I agree with you totally. Uh, on some of the other ones that we're going to come to, it'll, it's all becomes a matter of opinion because it's not so clear cut. And when you've had so much success as we've had, accolades to players it's harder to say who doesn't deserve an accolade it's easier to say who doesn't deserve an accolade because mm. they all do well there's one coming in this list where usually this time last season you could you, could you couldn't have, have named anyone yeah but Fulham is right we won away 4-1 we were a very difficult team to beat at that stage but we'd had back-to-back -back home draws with Crystal Palace and Bournemouth just before this uh, mainly because of injuries. Callum Wilson wasn't playing, Bruno hadn't been playing, etc., etc. And while we had only lost once, we'd drawn too many. And when you draw at home to Palace and Bournemouth, however you wrap that up, they aren't good results. Because that isn't Man, Man City in Arsenal that you've drawn at home with. 
It's Palace and Bournemouth. And there was reasons for that. Callum Wilson was out. We, we didn't have... Uh, we weren't punching our weight. We had no power up front. But the result that turned it round was going to Fulham and winning 4-1. Now, it doesn't matter how it happened. They had a man sent off, etc., etc. So what? That's still got to beat what's in front of you. Of course, that's life. And we did it convincingly. Uh, and we did it against a team which had been going well. They'd done well by their standards because they were expected to be a relegation for it. And I think at that time going into that game against Fulham, no one had come out and said this is a must win, but I think a lot of people were on the cusp of saying it. And I think had Newcastle lost it, it would have oh. been it would have been a really interesting uh, reaction because you know it, I think I think that was the fine margin. Win it, it's been a good start of the season. Lose it, it's been a poor start of well, the I season. Mean, but that's the springboard that's got with the third top. Definitely. If we hadn't won there, if it had been yet another draw. That might have been a decent result at Craven Cottage at all, but not when you've drawn Palace and Bournemouth. Yeah, in the context of the rest yes. of the season. Yeah. But that's the one where we said, hey, look, we're, we're, we're back in the group. But look, Wilson scored on me and got two. Uh, so it was the start of the the deadly duo um, scoring goals. An absolute cracker, wasn't it? One of the one of the goals, a lovely volley. Do you think Eddie Howe went into that game feeling a little bit of pressure? No, uh, um, I mean, I th- there's always pressure and he would be, if asked, he would say at a club like Newcastle United, there's always pressure because it's such a big club. But I don't think he, and neither should he after last season. Um, I don't think at any stage Eddie could have done any better. I, I, I think he'll have gone into that game privately saying, we need a win, let it be this game. He would never admit that publicly because that is putting pressure on yourself and on your team. If mm-hmm. he comes out before the game and says, those two draws are home, poor, we've got to win this one, that puts pressure on you. I think that's one of his best assets. And again, Aaron Stokes alluded to this in Monday's episode. He never chucks anyone under the bus. And and, and what he says no. behind closed doors might be very different to what he says publicly. Totally. But that's all right. And everything that he portrays in the public eye is unity, 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 Calm, you know. I mean, he's not good for his hacks because his quotes on on st- headline stealing. Uh, but it's very cool I don't head, care because he never gets too depressed and he never gets too elated. He stays right in the middle, and everybody's wonderful. He can have a bloke that does, like last season that doesn't get a shirt like Jamal Lewis. But what a good lad he is, and what a great lad, and what a future this kid could have, and all. You know, everybody's wonderful. You know, De Bruyne's wonderful in the next days of a way to Manchester United on loan. It, it, I'm not doing that as a criticism. That is the way, because the players have faith in them. They know that nothing's happening behind their back. You know, where he says one thing and to them and another thing to somebody else. Mm. There's none of that. They, they probably respect the fact that he hasn't come out like previous managers. I mean, Rafa Benitez was guilty of it. Steve Bruce was definitely guilty of it. And, and kind of you say... They're not good enough, you know. Relegate if we don't in, if we don't invest. Relegations are certainly, you know. They probably respect that they're not being left hung out with dry, but also because you know, this this squad of players were used to being hung out. Yeah, dry. exactly. And also anything that needs to be said, whether you know your time is up or you're not in the side. Let's say Isaac Hayden, for example. You imagine that Eddie Howe was very respectful, and he went to him in person, behind closed doors, and said, look, you're not my sort of player. You've been a great servant. I wish you well, but you're not going to get a start here. And I think that, that counts for a lot. There's no planting the seeds, is there, out in the, no, out in the public no. like previous managers? I think, I think to get any sort of success, and he has had success in Newcastle, it's got to be sustained because it's, you know, it, it's been 12 months. Um, but... You've got to be tough. And I think behind the scenes, he will be tough and players will be got rid of. And he was nice about Fernandez and about Keane Clark, uh, but they disappeared. And rightly so, they disappeared. But it, they were never sort of bad mouth. Uh, Isaac Hayden, they were never bad mouth before they went in public, like, you know, sorry, he's not at the level we want or anything like that. Um, but still the decisions were made and they will be made with with a few players that's around now that will in the near future disappear yeah definitely um so that fulham the turning point yep 
other results, John, to mention? I mean, for me, the Tottenham game was the biggest uh, win for me because it just said, you know what, Newcastle are here and, you know, we, we mean business. Yep, without a shadow, though, because they'd won 10 on the trot at home. And, and we took them up. And yes, they haven't been, they've been vulnerable since we took them up, but maybe that's because we took them up. You know, the funny old thing with me, and perhaps it's, it's, it's just a personal feeling, one of the games that I've loved, we didn't even win. When we played Manchester City, and for an hour, were phenomenal, and were 3-1 up. And it was a 3-3 door, but I tell you what, you, you draw with the City side at the moment. I know Brentford have just beaten them, but that can happen as a fluke in the last minute. You break away in the last minute and score, and you've won when you've been tonked on possession and every other thing. But that was such a marvellous game with Man City. And yes, we, we didn't win it, but we, we went 3-1 up. We played to death a team that automatically plays other teams to death. It was a great game and the atmosphere was brilliant and and, and they, you know, went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Manchester City. But I felt going into that Spurs game, the fact they won it, we we got... I just, yes, you're right, you're right on terms of result. But I think Spurs were easier to beat than Man City or to I, stop winning. Yeah, I don't, winning. I, I don't doubt that. But the point I was going to make there was just that I think we'd, we'd gotten to the stage where you say, all right, you performed well against City, you should have won, but you drew... You performed well against Liverpool. You deserved the point. You got beat in the end. Uh, you know, my United. You were, you know, you were, you were arguably the better side in the first half, but it was a draw again. And I was thinking, well, at some stage, you have you have to stop saying that. You have to just say, look, you weren't good enough to beat th this team. But or we wouldn't expect to be good enough to beat Man City. We should, after what happened last season, we should have been blown out the water, and we weren't. And that made me believe that we could compete with with the best sides mm. in the Premier League. You see, you see for me, um, it was the, the Spurs game did that, because I think psychologically to, to get that win over a top four side, that was, that'll be, that was such sure. a big boost. Because but maybe, maybe we went down there and got that result because we'd gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with Man City and, and terrified them to death. Um, and, and that was the natural follow-on. For me as well, one of the bigger performances was to beat Chelsea, regardless of the disarray they may or may not be in. They've got people on the plane to Qatar from all over the place. And we high-pressed them and we did it without Callum Wilson. And I mean, I thought that was stupendous. Um, but we're producing games like that now. Mm. Uh, we really are. I mean, the only one where you go, oh, what a shame, is we only got to draw at Manchester United. Um, that's the way we talk now. We've won all the rest. It's quite incredible. On to the player of the season. And I think for a lot of people, actually, the player of the season will also be the surprise package of the season. I was going to say, the only reason I haven't picked him as player of the season is because I wanted to give him surprise, the surprise package uh, thing. And I didn't want to take the same player doing both because, I mean... Honestly, play of the season, you could justify half a dozen. I, I mean, just saying, you could justify Almirin, Bruno, Pope, Botman, Trippier. You could, if you pick any one of those, you could make a case out that would be acceptable. Um, it wouldn't be stupid. Um, and, that's, and you need to have people perform like that, to be in the top three. You don't get mm. in the top three because one bloke is absolutely outstanding and the rest are average. Yeah. You know. Okay, um, so so based on your, you doing that then, so you've you've picked uh, Miguel Almiron for surprise package of the season. We'll get on to Almiron in a moment and I can sense people on the edge of their seats waiting for this conversation to happen and don't worry, I'll, I'll remind him of everything he said. Um, player of the season so far, John? Well, I would have made it Almiron if he hadn't been the surprise package of the season, but I don't want one guy. I mean, we can spread the load here. Quite everybody. Um, I could, those half dozen names I give you, I could settle for any of them. I would probably settle for Bruno because um, I think he has such an influence on the side. Defensively, because he'll put his foot in and um, he shields the ball wonderfully. If he gets it on their jaw or penalty area, he doesn't panic. He plays out. He plays out. He doesn't boot out. He can play orthodox midfield. He can play as the attacking fella just behind the centre forward. He can play in all the positions. 
He's got the crowd going, who absolutely adore him. Uh, he's got the crowd going, and I think he's got other players going by example. And uh, I know what he did in the in the penalty shootout, but if you take that apart, uh, which is possibly the worst penalty I've ever seen in my life, I think I would give it to Bruno. But it it would have been Almirin, but I want to just give him the other one. But I I mean poor Botman and Trippier. Oh, superb. Nick Pope's been unbelievable. I mean, if you're superb. looking for a bargain, he's been such a good goalkeeper. Oh, I mean, all of them have, have been magnificent. And Trippier is unfortunate to be a, a right-back, if you like, which is not a glamour position, but he all plays it with glamour, man. Mm. And what a leader and what a, what a guy for inspiring people around him. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's harder... It's much easier to say who doesn't deserve it than it is to say who does, who gets it. On Nick Pope, when he arrives, there's quite a few voices, and I asked this question as well and said, is he that much better than Martin Dubravka? I don't think people were too sure, mm. but he hasn't half proved the doubt as wrong. I think he's more consistent than Dubravka and, and was, and he's a wonderful shot stopper. Um, there's, and, and he's very, very good at commanding his box on crosses. He is, you know, which is often not picked up on because it's not seen as the most difficult thing in the world. It's something a goalkeeper should do. But it often gives confidence to a back four when you've got a keeper ready to dominate his box in the way he does. And he has been truly magnificent here um, and definitely a step up. And that's what this club's going to do. You're going to have players like Dubrovka and feel, does he need replacing? He's okay. And they'll go and get somebody better. And that'll happen in other positions across the park. I mean, it happened at left side, centre-half. You've got Byrne, but they still went out and got Botman. Well, on Botman, he's been unbelievable. You can see why AC Milan wanted him as well. I saw a tweet yesterday from a fan who said he is the best defender he has seen at Newcastle. Now, it was a younger fan, John, so I know you saw... Bob Monke <laughs> yeah. um, in his prime, so you may well argue that at the moment Bob's still above Botman in the list. But this fella was saying, you know, better than Jonathan Woodgate, who for the younger generation is he's often, the comparison yeah. because he was an elegant centre half, um, which Botman is. I mean, Burns and Nobly need centre half, and I mean that is an absolute um, a compliment. I don't mean it as an insult. As well, Jack, Jack Charlton was, who was a World Cup winner, and Nobly needs centre half. Botman is a classic, a, a smooth player. And I can see the, the the likely the comparison with Woodgate. You could also compare him to Philip Albert for me from the entertainer side because he was an elegant centre-half rather than the guy alongside him, down Peacock, who was more your orthodox it's funny though Second because half. we're talking about the elegance of, of Botman, but if if we're looking at a comparison between Cher and a Newcastle defender of the past, I would also probably say, well, he reminds me more of Philip Albert than anybody else because just the fact he roams forward and knows how to score a goal. I know that's not what a defender should prioritise, mm -hmm. but that's what both of them did and Shaw does really well. Albert, we know, scored some yeah. wonderful goals. But also he's very classy at the back. He can pick a pass. We, we seem to have two really elegant centre-backs. Without a shadow of doubt, and it's going to be very difficult to move them, because uh, to move them out the team, I meant if you're a player challenging in that position, very difficult to move them out the team, because they can do the defensive stuff, they can stick it in the back of the stand when there's the absolute need to do so, and they can break with the ball um, as well. They, they dovetail each other extremely well. Is that something you expected though? Because I think a lot of people sometimes would expect one elegant defender who's comfortable with the ball at the feet, who can pick a pass, who looks classy, and mm -hmm. one defender who is a bit of a bruiser. You know, he will just, yep. as you say, clear the lines. Like Darren Peacock kind of play. But if Steven. you play the way we play, the quickness we move the ball upfield with people like Almirin and Maxi when he's in, and uh, the quickness we attack other teams. You want people at the back that can play the yeah, ball. You need that, don't you? you? Yes, you don't want a hoofer that just. And you know, 
you know, that's one thing that stood out. And I know I, I do take the, the mick out of you for your previous uh, thoughts on Miguel Almiron. But the same could be said about me and Fabian Cher. And I will hold my hands up and say, you know, everything bad I said about him, mm-hmm. I, you know, I got it wrong. And that's down to, to him buying into Eddie Howe. And also Eddie Howe seeing a player and, and managing to iron out all those I mean, things that were wrong about his play. In defence of both of us, whether we're talking about Shah uh, or Almiron, the difference in those two players from what they were under the previous regime and what they are now is mind-blowing. We had no right to expect it. And it was such a giant step. You could actually say, is it possible for a player to make that step? As you could say, is it possible for a centre-forward to be a top midfield player? Joe Linton, originally, but that, that goes further back. They, you're just they, excited about who's next on the conveyor belt, aren't you? Yes, you're just thinking who else can make that sort of improvement. I mean, there's not going to be an awful lot left to make that sort of improvement because slowly the old players that were here have either made that jump or mm. they're getting rid of them and the new players come in with a better we'll go, standard. We're jumping around slightly, but we'll, we will jump forward, John, to the must do better because we've just said there who's the next one that's going to come on the conveyor belt the surprise package is Almeida we'll, we'll get back awesome. to that in a moment but let's just go on to who can do better who can do better because we've just said there we've mentioned Joe Linton's a changed man Almeida is a changed man Fabian Cher Joe Willick is looking like the player Newcastle thought they had bought so you know we often on these podcasts where we do reflect we often or we always say like who is the man that must do better mm-hmm. um, and I, you know what Obviously, we're looking for a player, but I'm going to go a little bit left field before I get your, your pick. I'm just going to say VAR. I'm not going to give you a Newcastle United player. I'm just going to say VAR must do better, John, because this season so far has proved, especially with Newcastle United, that that system is not doing the job properly. And for me, I'm not going to pick a Newcastle United player. I'm just going to say the video assistant referees need to do better. Well, that's good, but it, that's chickening out of, of nailing a new. You, you, want, you want you want a player, right? You name your player, and then I'll I'll jump in with mine. Then. Well, I'll name. I'm I'm not just going to name one because you know who can do better can be more than one. Maxi's got to do better than he's done in the first half of this season. He was sensational against Man City. The next game against Wolves, he was very indifferent and then scored a worldie to to get us out of trouble and get us a point. But he's got to do better. He, he has not been consistent. He has threatened. When you looked at Maxi, you could see more potential, I'm not meaning you, but than there was in Almiron, in, in natural God-given potential. You could see more than in Shaw and in this and that and the other. And he knew it. He talked about winning the Ballon d'Or eventually and whatever and whatever, whatever. But he is now... A little bit standing still, and other players have overtaken him in importance in this team. Whereas Steve Bruce used to tout him as Plan A, B, and C. You know, give it to Maxi, and then let's see what happens, etc., etc. Maxi can do better than he's done this season. Uh, there's absolutely no doubt. Target can do better. I mean, he was he come to us on loan, um, and was deemed to have done enough on loan for us to pay a few mil to bring him here permanently and he's lost his left back position to a left sided centre half he from his point of view and this has got nothing to do with Dan Byrne I'll come to him in a minute but from his point of view Target has had a poor first half of the season for me Maxi has not done what he's done and I've got to put Chris Wood in there that can do better. But I, I don't know that even Eddie Howe's stardust can make Chris Wood into what Almiron became and the rest became. Mm, I think with Chris Wood, he's probably playing at the, the level that is his highest. Um, you know, He puts everything into it, but he's not going to get you the goals to carry Newcastle forward, unfortunately. Now, with St. Maximin and Matt Target, is it a case that to improve you need to get game time and the way that the players who've replaced them in the side are playing, their game time is limited. So how I would ask you, how, how can they improve? They're going to have to just work their backsides off on the training pitch and hope that for well, whatever reason, the other two chances, drop out of form. Chances are going to come. 
Um, there's absolutely no question about that, either through injuries or through a game that's tight after an hour and you throw some maximum on for the last half hour to change it. Now, if he goes on for the last half hour and changes it and gets you a win you weren't going to have, he'll force his way into the team. Because the left-sided position of the front three is not nailed on the way Almiron's made the right side his own and Wilson's made centre-forward his own. That side's open. Joe Linton can go back into the middle three and, and Maxi can go in there. The position for Maxi, the way ahead, is there mapped out. He either takes it or he doesn't. It's a bit different with Target. It's interesting, against Chelsea... Jacob Murphy was the one that, that came off the bench and not yeah. Alan St. Maximan. Yeah. If you're St. Maximan, you're fit. Okay, you might not be match fit, but you're, you're there, you're ready to be picked. What's going through your mind at that stage? Well, I would hope what's going through his mind is that I used to be kingpin here and stood alone. It's not like that now. And if I don't watch it, I'm going to be overtaken by others and I'm not going to be automatic in this team and I may be sold. And therefore... If he is of right mind, he's frightening. Man City, he was frightening. He can be frightening, but he's got to be on it. He's got to be right up here. He's got to be right physically. The The rain's got to be coming in the right direction. The wind's got to be blowing a certain way. When it all is, everything's aligned, then he's sensational. He's not sensational enough. You look at all the great players. You look at our best players. You look at Bruno and look at Trippier. And week in, week out, their standard is hugely high. With some maximum, you don't know what you're going to get. Consistency isn't that's the, the He key. doesn't produce consistency. Um, He's got to. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let me give you two names uh, who I think could also be included in the bracket of, of a need to improve or need to just be better in the second half of the season. Jacob Murphy won. Now, Eddie Howe is a big, big fan of Jacob Murphy. Yes, and he, he, has, he has improved from what we know of him what, you know, last season, the season before. But I still just feel he needs to go up another level to ensure that this isn't his last season in, in black and white because we're talking about Newcastle improving. And how, you, know, you mentioned it earlier, John. There'll come a time when players will be told, that's it now. Thank you very sure, much. Out the sure, door. Sure. But he's young enough still. He's got talent. And I, I, and with Eddie Howe's trust, I think there is a big chance that he could still have a huge part to play in the future the well, next he, two or three he's, years. He's one where you may be able to sprinkle stardust on and totally unexpectedly goes from A another to a star. That's a possibility. But from his point of view, yes, he's coming up rapid rate in us to a crossroads where he will just suddenly be out the door and will be signing for some other club with less ambition and less cash. Mm. Um, and that could happen to him very much. He needs some goals and end and product. Hopefully that does. He, he's, he's got the difficulty of getting in the side regularly. Mm. He's had a little run recently, so yeah. he's had that. Well, How seems to like him, so he's getting those opportunities. How does like him? Uh, How does like him? But how does How see him? Does he like him for now? But when the team improves, does he still like him then? Mm. Um, because, you know, you think Maxi would get in the side ahead of him, uh, normal circumstances. You'd think Joe Linton, wide left, could get in ahead, of, ahead of Murphy. And you've got to look at Murphy and Fraser and say one of them two's going to go pretty quick. Well, we haven't really mentioned Ryan Fraser no. at all, have we? Um, the other name, Sean Longstaff. You know, people listening to this podcast know I haven't been his biggest fan of late and people have come back to me and said I'm, I've been a little bit harsh and I know Aaron also thinks I'm a little bit harsh on Sean Longstaff he points out the graft he does I still think if he really wants to be in that midfield three he just needs to be a little bit quicker on the boil he, he seems to want a world of time and he, he plays at his court. own pace yeah he I, he's got so much pace. talent and don't get me wrong we're starting, he's starting to get back to that level of when he first burst on the scene and I, and we said this previously. It's it's such a fine margin. 
if he's just a little bit quicker on the ball, I wouldn't be sitting here saying criticizing him. But for me, that's he just need, he, sure. he's very close to being, I think, uh, you know, one of the best players um, or the best player he can be. Yeah, but it's also it's a balance because he's very close to slipping off the other end for me. Yeah, and of course, if you do move Joe Linton back into midfield from left side uh, attack, who goes out of that midfield? It would have Not to be Bruno and Joe Willick at the moment would be in, so it would be Longstaff. Um, he could be needed as a an out and out um, subs bench player. Uh, because you've got to have a bench and you've got a bench of nine or something at the moment. So, you know, you've got to think, uh, but at the moment he's in the team and he does do the dirty work. He gets his knees dirty doing the graft that nobody likes doing so that the superstars, be it Willick breaking forward or Bruno, can do their bit. He does do a job, but yes, you hit absolutely nail on the head the one thing that's holding him back. He wants to play at his own pace. And in the Premier League, they don't let you do that. No, not at all. Um, so on to the surprise package of the season. For both of us, it is Miguel Almiron. I know this is going to be the, the, the 10 minutes a lot of people have waited for, John. Um, yeah, it, he wins that award without a shadow of doubt. I wasn't sure when to mention this clip, whether to do it at New Year. But I'm, I'll, I'll do it now as we're reflecting on the season. So back in... Uh, July on this podcast you said if we start with Miguel Almiron in the side and he plays every game until January then we finish two bene- two positions beneath what we're looking to finish yep I, I guess that view sums up just how well he's done and just how well Newcastle United have done so far there's no question about that it sums up just how well he's done because with the old Almiron I stand by that statement completely. With the old uh, Almiron playing the way the old Almiron did, we and he'd stayed in the side, we would have been in big trouble. And let us not forget, and I don't want to burst your balloon and stop your gloating because I've had to tie your ankles down to the chair anyway to stop you going through the ceiling. Let us not forget the true judges and honest judges that watched Almiron, he's been here three and a half years or so. I mean, he's not just arrived and suddenly found his form. He has been indifferent. 29 games, 27 games, 29 games when he first come before he scored his first goal. That's how potent he was. Just last season, he scored one league goal. Just last season, one league goal. Now, if you're not critical of that, any per, you know, if if the manager, the the player himself, looking at himself, people on the outside like us, aren't saying that is not good enough for where Newcastle want to go, then where we are setting our standards too small. He's twenty nine games when he first come, one goal last season. It just Newcastle United. Let's get this right. Newcastle United in this summer were looking for a right sided mid winger a right winger. They were looking desperately for him. Why did they stop? Because I had other priority positions and because he suddenly starts scoring in pre-season. And they thought, well, look, let's concentrate on getting somebody for there and somebody for there. And you got Nick Pope, you got Botman, you got etc., etc., etc. You know, and we'll, we've got Almiron, and if it doesn't happen, there's still Murphy and Fraser, and that they can go in there, and Joe Linton can go wide, and Maxi, so let's just stick with it. Newcastle United, Eddie Howe, had prioritised right wing as a position we had assigned this summer. You never get everybody you want, because the the transfer market isn't like that. Um, but, I mean, that's how close Almiron was to going out of this side. And he's... He has been sensational for half a season. But he's been sensational for half a season, an average for about three and a half years. So he's got to continue doing what he does now. And I'm so pleased for him because he's so pleased for himself. You can't help but love him when you see that smile on the face and he's enjoying his football suddenly. And isn't that wonderful to see? It is, and and that challenge to continue this form, it's a little bit like looking at Newcastle as a whole. 
and thinking the same with the team. Off. Yes. But I look at Almiro and the way he's playing, and of course, you know, form might people say form is only temporary, class is permanent, that's the same, isn't it? But I look at him at the moment and I, and I guess actually that the World Cup breaks probably come at the, the wrong time for him because every time he gets the ball and goes forward, he just the defence are absolutely petrified. Because he's quick. Can he can he mean and so with this break it, he'll have a rest, some family time. You know, he had his little his little bear with him as the mascot, didn't he? Yeah. For the Chelsea game. So you know, that'll be wonderful for him to just have a bit of downtime. But how difficult is it to bottle the form that that, that a player's currently in and, and and keep it bottled until you know Newcastle United returns to, to too games? Not too much so, not too much so, because you've got to do it every summer. However, you end one season, you've got to do it every summer to start again in a new season. And um, it's about confidence with him. Um, tactically, he's playing further up the field than he did under um, Steve Bruce, where he would pick up the ball more often than not, level with our, our own 18-yard line. He's playing higher. Um, but confidence gives you that ability to finish the way he finished. I mean, his goal-scoring record was horrible before this season, and it's excellent. Um, but it's got to continue to be excellent. Do you, do you see it continuing? I do, I do, because um, I do because his confidence is... So much of this game is about confidence. I mean, it really, really is. You know, it's about ability and all those things. But you can be the greatest player in the world. But if you haven't got any confidence, you can look rock bottom. Um, and and I mean, you look at you look at Mason Mount playing for Chelsea on Saturday. He's going with England to the World Cup. You look at Mason Mount. You can't dispute Mason Mount's ability. His all-round ability as a player. He looked lost in that Chelsea team, as if he doesn't know what his job is. He's quite depressed. He's the game. Everything's passing him by. But you don't think he's a bad player. You know he's a good player. But his confidence isn't there. The confidence with somebody like Miggy is absolutely sky high. Um, but yes, he's got to keep it going. Like, you know, this thing you said about, uh, you know, class and form, temporary and permanent. And, you know, one swallow doesn't make a summer. That applies all the time as well. So, you know, you've got to continue. When he has three and a half years of playing like he's playing now, instead of the three and a half years like he was playing, then he will be some player. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So eight goals this season so far in the Premier League for Army Ron. And I was going to ask you... How many goals does he need to score for you to submit your application to the McGuarmian fan club? Well, he's only halfway through the season and he plays in the front three. So, uh, I mean, honestly for him to get into double figures uh, before the season started would be phenomenal. And he's going to do that now because he's only going to get a couple more and he, he's in double figures. Um, but no, I mean, I, I hold my, hand, my hands up and I'm thrilled to bits for him. But I'm not going to start walking on, you know. I've You're seen... not getting a tattoo of him on your arm just no, yet? No, I don't think I am. I mean, there's too many tattoos up there of people like Pele and uh, Cruyff and Maradona <laughs> and uh, Newcastle United players like Shearer and Tony Green and Supermac. And, you know, there's a little way to go yet. There's a little way to go. So just to be clear, you're not yet submitting the application for the McGraw? No, I'm not, because I'm... Uh, I am admitting to admiration, but I'm not, no. I mean, to get in Gibbo's top 10 of all time or something, you've got to do a little more than have a wonderful half a season. Hmm. And, I mean, obviously, I think for many people, Almiron will be the surprise package of By the, the way, on so that far. surprise package, can I just mention one other player? Dan Byrne, uh, by any chance? Sorry? Dan Byrne? Totally. Yeah, I was just going to go there because um, when he signed, I was, I, I'd be honest, I hadn't, heard of him that would be you know that's my fault for me we're not keeping abreast of everyone in the Premier League um, but for him to do what he's done so far at left back because he doesn't look like a left back he's not built oh, like a left back well that's why he is a surprise package yeah. not because he's a decent player with a big heart that knows how to defend how big is his heart John because, like a frying pan like a frying pan but not only because of that because we knew all that we knew all that but from to play at left back the way he has played at left-back. And by the way, if Newcastle are going to be in the Champions League next season, Dan Burns should not be the left-back. 
because you get quality wingers against him. His lack of pace and those big legs turning inside out and getting twists. But he's a wonderful, wonderful lad for the team and for the, and you need a back four is not just four players. You're never going to get four players play 38 games a season and then all the cups. You can't. So you need people like Dan Byrne. But Dan Byrne's been wonderful. I, it must kill Target to think you, I'm an orthodox left back the whole of my career and the bloke keep, if it was a quality left back genuine left back keeping me out Target might think well that should be well, well he left his old club because they brought in a yeah, quality left back yeah and now he come here and a, a left sided centre half keeping him out at left back I mean it must kill him but he is a surprise package and good on him for Burn doing what he's done yeah. um, there's no question about that I don't think even Dan would see his long term future to be exclusively left back but but he has done terrific he has and I know we, we've sat here quite a few times this season when we've got to pick the side and we've both said us two personally yep. it's time for Dan Burton to come out the side but we don't think anyhow would change your winning side. And actually, towards the end, before the spikes come, we kind of just stopped seeing it because actually yeah. we knew he wasn't going to get dropped and he didn't deserve to get dropped. No, 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 no. I mean, if you want to pick things that are wrong, you know, it's easy to do. As a left-back, I'm not talking as a centre-half, it's easy to do. And yes, if you're going into the... You know, it's not Kieran Trippier, who's a genuine world-class full-back. Yeah. He's not that. But... He is a surprise package because of the job he's done in the position he's done it. In a sentence or so, was Dan Byrne unfortunate not to be called up to the England squad for the World no, Cup? No, 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 no. Easy well, the only reason you could say yes, if you wish to, is because you could take Harry Maguire out of that uh, squad easily enough. Uh, so, you know, from that point of view. But I, I tell you what, Dan Byrne's very, very happy. He's a jolly that's come to Newcastle United. He's a regular inner side that's in the top three. Uh, now, I tell you what, I bet he goes away. He wouldn't turn down an England chance, but I bet he goes away and says, hey, that'll do for me. He's living the dream, that'll isn't do he? For me. Living the dream of every boy on Tyneside. Um, so that's the, the accolades for the kind of on the pitch. Um, off the field, John, we've seen appointments come in. Obviously, Dan Ashworth, Darren Eels has come in. Um, we've seen uh, Peter Sullivan, who was once at Arsenal now at Newcastle he's kind of kind of lead the, the commercial side we've seen a few commercial deals announced recently Munster Energy Drinks uh, a bit of a partnership with, with their Saudi Airways as well recently um, in that respect in the boardroom I mean those appointments John you know are, are so important and I, I think you've just got to give a round of applause to the owners for going out and, 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 and making sure that the best people are, are in the, the positions to make sure Newcastle off the field can become as big and yeah. as good as it should be. Yeah, because no successful club is purely about 11 players on the field. You've got to get everything right behind the scenes, etc., etc., for the great clubs to be great. And Ashworth and Darren Eels, uh, who were bright, bright, bright sparks at Brighton and Atlanta um, without a shadow of doubt. So we recruited very, very well there. Uh, and it's very easy to say off the field and go for one of those as, you know, the ultimate super appointment is probably right. But, you know, I, I would like to also mention Amanda Stavely because um, she's the face. She mightn't be the chairman. She mightn't be the major uh, money person because that's the Saudis with 80%. Um, but she's the public face of Newcastle United to to a great extent, to the new regime because she's the one that's there it's in James's park she's the one that's seen by everybody she's the front person she's the one that was persistent in trying to to get Newcastle with several different partners before she was successful with her current partners uh, she wanted the other football club she did the Man City deal um, and um, after the Chelsea game everything went on ice and she rushed down the dressing room to be th so thrilled with the way the team had played and to talk to each individual that was going away at the World Cup to talk to them collectively to say thank you for taking me into the break third top we'll love you all etc etc let's 
put her in that as well. It, 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 you know, I think Amanda has done a terrific job. And while Ashworth and Eels will are super duper appointments, who made them? <laughs> who made the appointment? Who made the appointment for Eddie Howe? Mm. Uh, you know, um, so I, I think... And, I'm picking Amanda out of the boardroom because she's sort of the face of the boardroom, yeah. if you like. And St. James's Park as well, John, it's become a fortress. Oh. How, I mean, I forget how, let's just say how happy you are that it's now become oh. this feared uh, place to visit. There's no the question. Regimes. I did a huge article, which you mightn't have seen because you've been away, of course, uh, but about war flags. Um because of a book that come out from a fan and the war flags were part of that and I interviewed two of the boys at, at, at the book launch and on the mic, etc. And they've helped to transform the place. I mean, when we think of how toxic it was, how quarter empty it was under the last Ashley years, uh, and how toxic it was and, uh, and how we went there in, like a wet blanket round our shoulders to go to matches. I now get up on match day and I can't wait to go there and I can't wait to get up in the press box rather than see. I used to go into the press box about a minute before the start, uh, before, but I want to see the flags, the, 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 the latest uh, slogans, etc., etc. It is the most atmospheric ground in the country, bar none, and that's down to two sets of people one's war flags and one's the the rank and file Geordie supporter who is from cradle to grave supporter how important is it to have that cliche again that 12th man you know that atmosphere back yeah. in the players I mean it really does act as as, as a 12th man and an opposition uh, teams do no come question. here knowing they're going to have to be their very best no question teams used to fear coming up to Newcastle and in some of the Ashley years, they didn't fear at all. When was the last time you sensed St James's Park as this, as that weapon of a, of a you know, a tool that you can really use Probably against opposition? Probably in Robson's days, um, and certainly in Keegan's entertainers' days before that. Uh, but probably with Sir Bobby, um, and it was never better than this with them it was never better than this this is uh, quite phenomenal and the flags and the it looks like the old continental grounds used to look you know when you saw them on the telly and you saw sides in uh, Serie A or whatever with that sort of atmosphere and you know you saw the Bernabeu and it, it is absolutely terrific and what flags have topped it off but the Geordie fans, I mean, they've always been the best supporters in the world because they've supported failure in the thousands. Um, but they're back to being that. And sides fear that. I mean, people like Gary Neville, you would bang on about how difficult it was to come to Newcastle with Manchester United. And then how it hasn't been for years and you know all that's gone and what a tragedy and you know during the saying during the Ashley years you should see this for younger people you should see this when it's buzzing you should see this ground when it's buzzing and honestly it was a wake and now it's a celebration and and that difference is wonderful and um, that is down to war flags and the jury folk and Everybody else, whether it's the new owners, the manager or the players, giving us something to... All Newcastle fans needed was a team to be proud of. Proud of, not necessarily winning something, proud of. Because they try, because they give every ounce of blood, every match. That's all they've asked for. And they've got a side like that now. And, mm. and that's why it's such a wonderful ground to go to. Hope. Well, that's the word, isn't it? Totally. Hope. Totally. Um, just finally then, John, before we wrap up, what's next? What can Newcastle United achieve in the second half of the season? Frightening. What can be achieved, what will be achieved, uh, can be different. But it's frightening. Um, because we go now to Christmas, third top. Because at Christmas, we're third top. The January transfer market opens almost immediately we start playing. Uh, what I hope this has encouraged them. I don't want them to go crackers in the transfer market in January. There's no need to bring in the players we had to bring in last January 
because then we were going to lose our Premier League status. So there had to be half a dozen players. January is not the time to buy people because clubs don't want to sell. And especially don't want to sell to you if you're in the top three unexpectedly like Newcastle United, unless there's two extra notes on the fee. You know, you get plenty of players want to come, but clubs don't want to sell. Players will want to come now that didn't want to come in the summer because we're third top. That's how it's accelerated. But I hope we do some business in January, uh, whether that's purely a centre forward. Uh, because we are vulnerable there whether it's a left back because Burn isn't quite a left back and Target isn't quite rated enough to, to get in the side regularly or whether it's Madison uh, but I would like something to happen because if it does we can make that top four you know I'm not suggesting we won't without that but we'll be stretched if Callum Wilson gets injured we will be stretched still Mm. Um, you know, and that's why I was pleased that we did so well against Chelsea and won without him starting, because that was a big him not starting was a big blow. And a cup run, two cup runs. Oh well, we've got Bournemouth at home to be in the last eight of the League Cup, and we've still got the FA Cup to win. I mean, I, I said on the air lots of shy Ben's getting out. Why can't we finish fourth and win one of the domestic cups? Why not? This is the best season to do that. Because we haven't got the burden of extra games that we will have next season in Europe, whichever European competition it is next season. It might be the Europa League. Or the- Are you saying that without, well, without doubt, maybe a bit of a strong uh, way to phrase, to phrase this question, but Newcastle United will be playing European football next season? Yeah, you can never say without doubt, of course, because as I say, well, I mean, I thought we would, would steamroll at Chelsea in the minute I saw Callum Wilson and I knew he was going to be out after he was training alone. You knew he wasn't going to start. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking, they could come away with a draw here. What a shame, you know, because... Now, that's only going to happen in, in January, and we haven't bought anybody, and we learn he's going to be out for six weeks, Callum Wilson, and you change your opinion of where you're going to go completely. Uh, I have never felt so confident that Newcastle will be in Europe next season as I feel now um, and I can see the possibility of us playing Champions League football next season I can see the possibility I never saw the possibility before we beat Fulham for example talking about well, the there turning you go. game the turning points yeah uh, but now I can see it I, that doesn't mean it'll happen but it means it's not a stupid thing to say well they've left themselves the one thing I can't see is us winning doing Leicester City and winning, winning the league they've left themselves going at this break in, in a really strong position to to make sure they start again in the new year with a, a proper challenge for the top four and yeah that's, that's amazing in itself so it's going to be really interesting to see how it's, this season ends up it's been terrific until now it can get even more terrific and isn't it just fun isn't it a relief isn't it gorgeous to be talking like this when only 12 months ago you know we are third top we were looking for three worse teams than us to keep warp season after season after season now we're looking at the, th- the top three not the bottom three what a turnaround that is fabulous absolutely mind-blowing well John thank you very much for reflecting on the season so far this has been let's talk about the season so far I've been Andrew Musgrove this has been the Everything Is Black and White podcast head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we'll keep you up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news and please remember to hit that like and subscribe button on your podcast platform thank you very much for tuning in and there'll be plenty more to come during this World Cup break <laughs>